Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, I am excited to be joined by Logan uh, Workman, a uh, pitcher in the Tampa Bay Rays organization. How's it going, brother? Good. How are you? Doing well. I can't complain. Can't complain. Uh, how was your off season? You mentioned that you're in uh, Florida for vacation and stuff. Like, how how's, how has the off season been? Uh, it's been good. Um, with this being first full off season um, and after an affiliate season, it, it's new. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's one of those where you you kind of have to become the baseball player off season without coaches, um, mm-hmm. where you're doing your own thing, trying to figure out the off season and and um, you know just kind of going day by day. But for me, I've I felt good, I felt great, and um, you know ready to get things rolling towards spring training. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, so I want to jump in and talk about the playoffs with you and uh, and the Bowling Green and uh, hot rods and stuff. Um, so that's when I first heard about you because I've had Vernon on, uh, Ryford on, uh, Witten on, Menendez on. So I'm kind of I was kind of tuned into that game because I knew a lot of guys on the on the on that on the team, and I was just watching like you just shove like absolutely like absolutely, absolutely just dominate, and I'm like I gotta have this guy on. Um, how cool was it to get like the first start in the postseason? I was good. Um, I started kind of like timing it up. Um, you know, we kind of had like a set rotation each week and it just flowed in that way. And I started looking at it as to like, okay, you know, if, if it starts this day, am I going to throw, um, and then kind of got called into Smitty's office, our Mm -hmm. manager. And he was like, Hey, you know, you're starting game one. Um, and Molina was going to start game two. So he's like, all right, y'all be, you know, be prepared. And it's like, okay. And for me, you know, every game is is the same um go out mindset finish out the game finish out your outing and then walk away um but postseason mindsets obviously a little different for everybody and for me it was just like you know i've had four bad outings at rome um i mean you you go back through and look at my stat line from each game and it's been brutal um i have not walked out of rome um alive basically so this was like you know a turning you know the turning point that i needed at the end of the season um to to finish out on the right right foot yeah i know for sure um so heading into the start was it anything different because i know it's like obviously it's a whole different level postseason and stuff like that um how did you get yourself like calm or 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 hyped up or whatever may be like how'd you get yourself like focused for that we just knew that we, I mean, we had, we were already in it, um, from the first, from winning the first half. So going into it, we knew we were fine and we, we had home field and, um, you know, obviously we don't want to lose and, you know, we, we ended up losing that game, but we knew that we were going to bounce back, but this was that one game that it was just like, I need to get over the hump. So I, I needed every possible ounce of energy, focus, everything. I just kind of just built it into this one game. 
Um, and with it being close, you know, closer to home for me, it's only an hour and 45 minutes from Chattanooga where I'm from. Um, I had a lot of friends and family be able to show up and old roommates from school. Oh, cool. and, um, so it, it kind of gave me a little bit extra boost. It's like, okay, I haven't had a single good outing against Rome. Um, we're in the postseason. It's a whole different story. Yeah. And like, let's get into your numbers. Cause like Rome, they couldn't touch you for the first five innings. You had, I think seven Ks, five shutout. Um, at what point did you just realize like, I'm kind of carving right now? <laughs> um, whenever I think I walked a guy, um, towards second or third inning, yeah. um, maybe second, third inning and he, their next guy comes up and tries to lay down a bunt. Um, and I just b- bounced off the mound and threw the guy out. And, um, at that point I was like, okay, it's going to be a very low scoring game we're hitting somewhat okay um our bats aren't alive you know we're, our bats aren't alive but we're hitting we're putting the ball in play they're striking they're striking us out so it's like what you know what yeah. do i gotta do i gotta hold us to oh you know basically zero to to keep you know keep us going so um i i just kind of took it into my own hands and i was like okay this is you know i'm, I'm not gonna let this go and they they had me and said you know, you're, we're kind of going to throw pitch count out the window. We're going to oh. kind of throw innings out the window. We're going to give you at least, you know, a max of seven if, if your pitch count allows it, but we're not going to throw you out for a hundred pitches. Yeah. Um, so I hit that pitch count around the fifth inning and I was just like, all right, let's just keep going. Yeah. And I think you guys are having like a no hitter into the seventh inning, you and the other guys, um, as a pitcher and you see someone bunt to break up a no hitter. <laughs> I think the first hit was a bunt. Um, like how how, yeah. how how annoying is that as a pitcher? You'd be like, oh come on, guys, we're rolling here. It's it's a you know you you look at it from both sides and go, well, okay, maybe you're going to try and start something here because we've been you know you're yeah. getting no hit. Let's start something and bunt and get a guy on, break up the no hitter, just break up that entire mindset of that game, um, and be able to start fresh. Uh, but as a pitcher, you're kind of looking at it going. Okay, you bunted. You, you might have if if this was if this was a bigger, more looked at type of situation in in the grand scheme of things. Um, that you know, not unspoken rule. The next guy gets hit. Yeah. Um. Just it just kind of puts it that way. But it, they needed something to get rolling, and and this was that was their way. And with it being playoffs, you you don't want to risk anybody else getting on base. Right, so right. the next thing is to just attack the next guy. Um, that's what Tony did. And, and we, we were able to get through it. It just kind of fell apart towards the, towards the end. And I think pitching kind of did their, their, their thing, but, um, yeah. it was, yeah, it's, it's one of those you just don't like to see, but yeah. it, it's going to happen. Yeah, eventually. It, is, it is what it is. And I, let's talk about Tony. Cause like I said, I've had him on, like, how nasty is he? Like, and I can say that probably about like, uh, Austin Vernon, Kyle Witt and like all the guys like I've had on like humble brag. I might be a raised podcaster now, no big deal. But, uh, like how nasty is just like that rotation in the bullpen that you guys have there? Cause like you guys are just lights out when you, when you have, when you have a trusted bullpen as a starter, um, I mean, and can speak for Vern too, being half starter, half bullpen guy throughout the entire season. Um, when you have guys like that come out of, out of the pen who, you know, day in and day out, you're going to get the same thing with an occasional hiccup, which it all happens. I mean, starters yeah. do that too. I've done that. Um, but you, you, you kind of trust the whole game, um, basically finishing up because they did exactly what they needed to do. We had a couple miscues with the defense, um, in, in that game, but nothing that you can, you know, hang your head on as a pitcher, but you got Tony coming out with three slots, you got Vern coming out with almost a hundred, and then you've got Witten coming out with, you know, basically cut fastballs, cutters that are virtually unhittable and Reifert, who's uh he hasn't given up a hit in the in the arizona fall league as of now you got i mean yeah you got rife coming out with a slider that is you know you you don't you don't see that that's i think that's the one thing that with rife is you you don't see that out of any pitcher from big leagues all the way down you see good sliders you see sweep sliders you see part cut sliders his is his is a is a different breed of sliders. Is that what makes him just so nasty? Because like I said, he he went undrafted. Uh, he's been on the pot twice. He undrafted. He would have been drafted with with if you know non COVID year and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But 
um, kind of under the radar, but he got traded for big leaguer, which is, you know, a flex to him, you know, being traded for that's always you can hang your hat on that. But like he like he's just been carving and even in the Arizona Fall League hasn't given up a hit yet. Although I told uh, Tony he kind of he might have jinxed it because he, he was telling me that when I was talking to him. So if he gives up a hit. You might need to find a new roommate. No big deal. But uh, <laughs> uh, like, what makes him so nasty? It's just that that slider, the uniqueness of it. He can tunnel. He can tunnel because he's only a two pitch guy. Um, and he's and I think he's working on a changeup. Mm-hmm. But because he's a two pitch guy, he tunnels everything out of one spot. Mm-hmm. And for him to throw the slider at the you know throw it right at the mask and then just have it break off and then throw the fastball straight through that same point, it it just looks totally different and for you know for him to be a reliever you're only going to see maybe one or two innings and then for the week you're probably going to see him for three or four innings um it's it's one of those you you can't get in the box and go okay i'm ready for this even Mm -hmm. though you know virtually you you have a 50 50 shot of what's coming and it's it just becomes unhittable that's insane. Like I said, he's he's good. Like all of you guys are just nasty. Um, so getting back to you, like when did you realize you were kind of nasty in baseball? Like growing up in high school and stuff. Like when did you realize, like you know, what, I could probably make something out of this? So I was a I was a pitcher catcher uh, my freshman through junior year, um, predominantly catcher. I would catch bullpen varsity. You know, I'd catch in the bullpen on varsity games on Monday and Tuesday my freshman year. I'd did you catch- like catching better than pitching at that time? I did, okay. even though I, I couldn't hit. I, I could not hit to save my life. Um, I mean, by the time I was a junior, I was catching um, our district games in high school, and I was getting DH for half the season. Dang. Um, yeah, it was it was one of those that, you know, we'd come in on a Monday, we'd throw our ace on Monday, I would catch it, and I'd get DH for because he was actually our first baseman too. And so when he got finished, he would just go to first base, huh. and then it would bring me back into the game. But um, when he would play first base on Tuesday, we would throw our number three, number two, number three arm, and he would be a BDH four, and I would have to hit, so I would just hit ninth. <laughs> and so I realized at that point, like, hey, maybe I need to focus on pitching because I'm not going to be able to hit. Yeah. So how fast were you throwing in high school? Um. Freshman to junior year was in. I started out 81, 82. My junior year, I probably got up to maybe 85, 86. Um, and then the fall going into my senior year, or the summer fall going into my senior year, um, I jumped from 86 to 93. Wow. And what do you like? What what advice do you have for people trying to gain like velocity or throw harder? Because that's the big thing now. Everyone wants. Everybody wants to throw hard. Um, like. For those, I mean, not everyone can throw hard, and some people, you know, excel at not throwing hard. But I mean, like, what advice do you have for people, or maybe in high school, or even in, like, in the minors now, trying to just improve that velocity, or even improve as a pitcher? Um, I think the one thing that really worked for me, and and I still do a little bit of this now in the off season. I'm, this this year will be my first year without doing it. I I hit the weight room. Um, I was a small kid. Like I, my junior year, I barely hit six foot. Um, it was not till my junior and senior year where I, I jumped up about two, three, four inches and, um, weight room is huge. I, I was skinny. So for me, it was, I just ate anything and everything I could find. And I still do, um, within, within reason, I still eat anything and everything that's, that's in sight and over time throughout the day, but just putting on weight, um, you know, I've never really gotten into driveline. Um, never, I've never had, like, we've, we've done different drills throughout high school and college. We would follow a little bit of driveline's program, but nothing that's straight out of driveline facility mm-hmm. itself. Um, but I got into a little bit of that and just doing velo drills throughout the week and, and understanding your arm and understanding your body and knowing that you're not supposed, you're not, you don't need to overdo it. But you need to you need to find that that line and get to it every day. No, for sure, for sure. So then, when did you when you started focusing on pitching as like in high school and stuff? Um, is that kind of when you started realizing like, okay, I can I can get maybe go to college, maybe play the next level? Like when were you starting getting when were you starting to get offers for college? Um, and I think I started looking at that as a, a viable option. Um, the fall was my, I actually, this is the first camp and only camp that I went to. I went to where I actually went to school. I went to Lee university. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to a prospect camp at Lee university. Um, 
And from that point on, I, I basically took a week. Um, I got five phone calls or six from Lee University, Carson Newman, Bryan College, Columbia State, Cleveland State. And I believe I, if I'm not mistaken, I had a walk-on opportunity at uh, Middle Tennessee State. Um, and believe Chat State too, Chattanooga State. So I had mostly smaller offers and, um, and even at that point in the fall, my pitching coach who, you know, he's him, him and my head coach are the two that I can thank for where I'm at mm. today. Um, not only the head, you know, my pitching coach and head coach at Lee university, um, you know, coach brew coach good. Now, both of them have, have fully developed me as a player and a person to get where I'm at. But the, the, the main starter for everything was my head coach, uh, coach Hensley and, and, uh, trig at, at my high school. And both of them pushed me to, to go to this camp and said, Hey, you, you're going to get it. You're going to get a spot and, mm -hmm. and you're going to get some opportunity. And, um, that was when everything kind of opened up. And then even my senior year having, um, uh, Rangers and Padres both come into games and having scouts there and, Oh, nice. um, and that was that was when I knew everything was kind of start settling in. Yeah, once you see the scouts from like major league clubs and stuff, you're like, all right, yes. I, I might I might I might have a future in this. Yes, that's, that's awesome. And like, let's talk about your college. Okay, so you go twenty and five with the two thirteen ERA. Uh, I think COVID year you were five five and zero with the two or point two one ERA. Um, like, what was going right for you? Because obviously, like, you were one of the better pitches pitchers in your school in the area. Um, like. What was going right for you at that point? Um, everything kind of started settling in. I started my freshman year when I was able to realize that opportunity was there. Um, going to scout day that we had every year um, at our field, um, we would go to scout day and I would be the only freshman throwing on scout day. Um, I would be the first or second guy my sophomore year throwing on scout day with seniors, with juniors and seniors who are eligible. I'm, throwing and I have no eligibility of being drafted um, as a sophomore and then junior year kind of rolls around I'm like okay I've gotten I've gotten um, forms to fill out I've gotten um, interviews with scouts and and meetings and all of these sorts of things and everything kind of like settled in I'm like okay you know I need a good year I need I, I need a great year but this is you know this is my year and so everything kind of started working out that way and I just started settling in going I have a mindset knowing that there are guys that are good there. There were guys that could absolutely rip baseballs in our conference, not, not only in our, on our team, but other teams that we played, there were guys that could absolutely rip the baseball. But in my mind, I looked at it going, okay, a humble way of saying that I am better than you. Um, and I just use that. I just use that, that mindset all the way through uh, my junior year when everything kind of just started to click. Um, I found the change up, found the slider, fastball command started coming in. I'm sitting three to seven through seven, eight innings, maybe even a complete game. I had one complete one or two complete games my junior year. So I started sitting three to seven and realizing, okay, if I can just dominate here, there's going to be a very good chance that I dominate in the next level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those interviews and meetings with like the scouts and stuff at like the questionnaires and those kind of meetings, like how, what are those like? Like, I mean, cause I've always been kind of curious. I obviously I didn't, I wasn't a college player or anything like that, but uh, I've always been kind of curious how, like, are there big differences between different like uh, organizations and the questions they ask you, or is it all pretty generic? Like um, just very generic based stuff. Most of them are generic. Um, I will say that they 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 kind of like toned down some of them that I at least remember getting a few of my sophomore year. Um, just just one or two going at the end of my sophomore year going into my junior year, I started to get like one or two here or there mm -hmm. um, fill out. They were very, very basic. You know, have you have you had any surgeries? Have you um, you know, what's medical history? What's it, the, the, the most well-known questions that you're going to get? Um, but when you have those questionnaire interviews with with uh, scouts, um, at least that the start before COVID hit, I was having one on one interviews mm. um, up in the press box at our field um, or over lunch or over dinner, some something of that nature where they, you know, you're, you're just going and sitting down. Obviously, they're not buying. They're not doing anything like that. They're they're making sure that they do it right. Um, 
but you're sitting down having a conversation and they just want to know personal things about you. You know, do you, are, are you, do you live at home? Are you only child? Do you have a girlfriend? Do you have, um, do you work? Do you do anything like, you know, just those type of personal questions. Um, so it, it was nothing that was too hard for me to answer. They, it was kind of like a job interview almost oh, like nice. they kind of asked, what's your weakness in a way, in a way it kind of is, <laughs> you know, cause you're yeah, gonna be, it really, yeah, it really yeah. is. So it, it was one of those, but I thought they were, I thought they were good. Um, you know, it just depended on what team contacted you and, and how they wanted to do it. Um, some just did questionnaires and did no interviews. Hmm. Some did short questionnaires and personal interviews. Interesting. Um, it just it depended on the organization, how they wanted to do it. Yeah. So getting back to your time at Rice and stuff like, um, or sorry, Lee, uh, Lee University, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your time at Lee University. Um, what was maybe one team that you just love to face, uh, maybe in conference or out of conference that you, you just look back, you're like, man, I just shove against those guys. Or maybe their fans are extra cocky and you just can't wait to put them in their place a little bit. Um, the one team that we always had, I would say we always had trouble with, or at least for three years was the university of West Georgia. Um, I knew a few guys that went there, kind of got to know a few more of the guys as, as season went on university of West Georgia was almost our kryptonite for almost for my four years. Um, they were a team that we, we, I think we went like 11 and or two and 11 against oh, wow. three and 11. Yeah. It was, it was one of those in my three or four years that, you know, that we played enough, uh, regular season games against them. Um, Delta state was a team that was very well known, um, in the division two baseball. They're very well known. They're very good. They were a team that we always wanted to face. Um, but at the end of the day, kind of struggled with, I would say, on the cockier side that was very, you know, they were, they were good because they could back it up. Um, but they were, they were a little on the cocky side was Valdosta state. Okay. They, they were very, um, they were very aggressive, very pushy, very, um, they, they tried to, they tried to get under your skin. A little chirpy. Um, and it, for me, yeah, they, they, they were a little chirpy from the dugout. And I, for me, I, I love that. I, I love the, the chirp, the fan chirp, the player chirp, you know, if you hit it, you, you know, if you're going to hit it, you hit a home run, you do something great, tip your, you know, tip my cap, next guy's not going to do it. But it fueled me even more every time I would just go through the lineup and, and just put one by one down and they just kept coming. And then I just keep putting more and more down, you know, that, that, that was for me was, was satisfying. Yeah. All right. So are, do you trip back? Like, are you guys somebody who would, cause like Tony, like he, he told me like he was like the Draymond Green when he was in college, like he was chirping everywhere. He's telling me that the, one of the coaches at Duke came out mid game and told him to like, stop talking. Cause he was chirping so much at the, uh, at Duke when he was playing them one time, like what kind of player were you? Were like, would you chirp back at them? Or were you just kind of like, I'm just gonna let my, my game do the talking for me. No, I chirped back. I was, <laughs> I was very adamant. Now I, I, I kept it clean. I yeah. tried, you know, I tried everything possible to keep it clean and understanding baseball. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna do anything and everything to just, you know, disgrace myself and my sure, family sure. by what I say, but I am gonna, I am gonna make sure that you know that I, I, I'm here and you, I, nothing you say is going to bother me. Nice. Like, what are, what are some things that maybe they would say to you or like some, what are the, maybe the best church where you hear it? You're like, oh man, I got to kind of respect that. That was kind of funny. Most of it was just screaming, yelling, um, random things. Um, I will say Valdosta state and Delta state, both, um, you know, I, I appreciate them for this. So if any of them from those teams get to see this, um, I gained a few followers on Instagram because of it. Um, so they actually like followed my Instagram or requested to follow me at the time. And, um, you know, I, I, I got more followers out of it, but they tried, you know, tried and use that a little bit and start yelling my username and, and all sorts of stuff like that from, from Twitter, Instagram. So they, they did that, but it was nothing that I, I personally looked at and was like, Hey, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, the, but they, they was more of just screaming, yelling and random phrases and words and stuff that they'd yell from the dugout. But yeah. I, I would turn around and, and say something back. Um, especially conference tournament. I, there was one that I did let Auburn Montgomery know a little bit. Um, but yeah, so I, I wouldn't say anything bad, but I would chirp, chirp back. Yeah. Usually maybe, maybe let them know that you're just going to start carving against them. Maybe throw up a couple K's. Yes. <laughs> or keep, you know, keep them in the dugout the whole time yeah. and not allow them a chance to 
to to get going. That's that's awesome. That's that's so cool. Um, all right, so you get drafted uh, seventh round at, uh, by the Rays. How was draft day for you? Like, were you expected to go seven, or were you expected to go higher, maybe lower? What what was kind of like your mentality going into the draft day? We we had we had looked at um, a few options of you know being told three to five, three mm-hmm. to six, three to seven. Um, I I I had hoped for you know a good five six round mm-hmm. jump, but um, I had a few I had a few calls in fifth and sixth round, but the money was not you know very good. Yeah, and yeah. I, I to me it was just like <laughs> if I'm gonna take if I'm gonna get an option and get opportunity, I'm gonna get the most out of it. And there were a few that that did not allow for that. Yeah. Um, so I I was holding out for for good opportunities, good teams, and and um, good good chances to to break through. And mm-hmm. um, I get a call early in the seventh round um, from my agent at the time, and he lets me know that hey, we're going. You know, this this is what they want. This is what they're offering. We you know will you will you do it? And for me, I I didn't even think twice. Like I I heard the, I heard hey this is who it is. It's the Rays. This is what they're offering you. Do you want it? And it's straight out of my mouth. Let's let's do it. Yeah. Was it I, mostly because of the Rays? Like you just you just like the, you just kind of knew the organization and they're like pitching like like pretty much pitching like facilities. Like they're very good at like developing and pitching. Uh, was that kind of one of the reasons why you're like all right let's just let's just roll with this? I like it. Yeah, I mean, I knew that they what they had to offer in in the organization and how they develop pitchers and you know how they see pitching in in their organization is is a very um, high standard mm-hmm. as to what they believe in in winning a World Series and um, each each year you see um, pitcher after pitcher if they don't make an if they don't make a, a, a forty man roster a big league roster mm-hmm. with the Rays there's a very good chance they're going to make it with somebody else yeah. because they're so developed and every organization looks at it and goes, okay, we have good pitchers, but if we're going to get more pitchers that are just as good or better, we're going to go to the race system right. and try and trade and try and, you know, try and get those pitchers out. So for me looking at it going, I'm going to develop and be the best pitcher I can possibly be in this organization. And whatever happens to the big league side is completely up to how they see fit. Yeah, can and can we just say, or I guess I, I should say, thank you for not signing with the Yankees uh, in twenty twenty, because then I probably wouldn't have you on the pod. Like I don't know if I, I don't think I've ever, like I'm not a Yankee guy at all. <laughs> but they how, were they were very they were very they were very adamant on on pushing and and because they didn't get that first and I want to say first and second round pick in twenty twenty mm-hmm. because of the Garrett Cole trade. Um, they they were gonna they were back about to be very high up on 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 the list of uh, of pulling the trigger in the 2020 draft. Even with five rounds, they were we were really pushed um, for the fifth round with them. Um, but it worked out. Um, we're 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 here and we're in a great organization. That's so. Do they do they call you during the draft and say we might draft you in the fifth round, um, or did you just find that like after when they were trying to sign you as an undrafted free agent? Um, it was a little bit of both. I had my agent talking to their scout and, and um, scouting director and cross checkers making, you know, seeing what they're mm-hmm. hearing in the, in the uh, draft room, but they, they I, I didn't get a single phone call or any, anything during the draft. And then the, the second, the draft ended um, towards later in the night. And then um, I got, I think I got one or few, one or two text messages saying, Hey, keep your phone on. We're going to, we're going to kind of move forward here and, and be ready and come Monday morning once the draft ended. Cause I think it was a Friday, Saturday draft. First round was on Friday, second round, or second through fifth round was on sa- uh, Saturday. Um, I get a call Monday morning, I believe it like, or maybe it was a Monday or s- Sunday. This is Sunday or Monday morning at nine o'clock. I've gotten already, I've gotten six phone calls and four of them are from the Yankees. So they, so they wanted trying, you pretty bad. Then. They were trying to get you. Yes, they. I think they they were on that that front that you know they didn't get me in the five rounds. Let's be the first ones to call and sign him yeah. on on Sunday or Monday morning, whenever that happened. And I looked back at it and I was just like, nothing against you know nothing against any organization and any team that that called. But I I just said if if you're not going to draft me, um, 
you know, you're not going to draft me this year. You're not going to get me this year. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back to school. Yeah. And you kind of bet on yourself and it worked out. You get drafted by a division rival of the Yankees. So you can potentially play pitch against the Yankees and let them know, maybe throw up five fingers for like the fifth round draft. Be like, look, you could have yeah. had me in the fifth once you're shutting them out in like the potential like playoffs next season or two. Yeah. Just look back at it and go, Hey, you know, 21 or in 20, you, you had an opportunity and we're not, we're not here, but I, I, I have, you know, great respect for those scouts and, and, and um, cross checkers and, and scouting directors that the Yankees have. They're very adamant on what they, they try and push and, and try and get, but um, I have very, very much respect for what they, they did and how they pushed. And, and I thought, you know, if you're going to do it, you're, and you're going to try and get somebody, they're going to be the ones to try and do it because they're going out of their way to try and get somebody at nine o'clock in the morning yeah. uh, on a Sunday or Monday morning, try and get them. So I, I have the utmost respect for how they, they did it. It's just, it didn't work out in their favor and, and, and how, how they were able to um, go, go through the draft. Yeah. Yeah, so you can you can be very polite and respectful about it, but in two three years from now, I might be holding up a poster with uh, a sign saying you could have had him once you're you're pitching against them. We'll see. I'll have to bookmark this <laughs> and maybe save this and play this in a couple of years down the future and just let them know that I mean they could have had you. They just had to try harder, but they didn't do it, so it's their loss. Um, yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about this. You play for the Savannah Bananas. How was that? That's like one of the coolest places, like the right the greatest show on earth or whatever for uh, baseball wise. Like how was playing? How was that? experience yeah it was fun um it was during covid um so the way everything kind of worked out um we had very limited opportunities with fan interaction even though we still kept that fan first um motto that that uh jesse has always kept with mm -hmm. with um with the bananas on how they do things so our fan interaction was very limited to what we do but we kept the yellow mentality and we would have yellow savannah banana mask and we would go out and sign stuff for people and go out and dance in in the um in the concourse outside the stadium after games we would throw on yellow uh, cleaning gloves yeah um, and go out and be able to sign stuff and pictures and um we we still kept that fan interaction and what we did but i thought it was i thought it was great um what they were able to accomplish in a very limited opportunity we had I believe six teams, six or seven teams that still offered to play in the Coastal Plain League at the time um, during COVID where mm -hmm. we would travel and go play and come home, go play, come home. We was, I don't think there was a single game or games that we were able to or had to stay overnight and we weren't going to be able to. So mm -hmm. we would drive up, play and drive back home where whether or not they allowed fans in their stadium, I think Lexington County was one of the teams that did not allow it. And I think they're right out of, uh, right outside of Columbia, South okay. Carolina. So um, they did not allow fans um, at games and we were only allowed 50% capacity. Yes. 50% capacity okay. um, in stands. So even at a 7,000 capacity stadium, you have, you still have 3000 people coming to watch games. That's more than some minor league stadiums. Um, Yes, that's, I mean, that's, and it's, and they would sell out. You, you did not, unless you were a player, unless you were on a player's list to get tickets and they allowed for, we had, I think we had 30 guys. So you had 60 tickets through, through players, 60, 100 tickets through mm -hmm. players. Um, you, you did not get a ticket to that wow. game unless somebody sold them to you. That's, that's the only way that that worked out. Um, but it was fan first enter entertainment um, and interactions with fans were great and, and how they accomplish what they have so far and what they will accomplish is great. So did you learn how to like, did you have to like practice like dances, choreograph? Cause they do all these crazy things. Like what was maybe the one thing that you were like, okay, this is like kind of weird, but this is pretty cool just to be able to perform. Cause it is a performance really uh, for yeah. these fans. Like what was one thing that you're like, okay, this is, this is pretty unique. Some of the stuff that they do now, we, we did not do okay. um, like kind of the dancing on the field and cause we, we still played it as summer ball um, in the coastal plain league. So what, what they do now is completely full banana. Like that's <laughs> uh, the, the, the best way I can describe it is full banana baseball, like how they play banana ball, the team that they play, the party animals. Um, it, it's, it's pretty much the same way. So how they, how they play it and how they go about it um is is their way so when we played it we still kind of have followed 
we we still had to fully follow the game of baseball sure. and how it's played. Um, but we still got to, you know, in between innings, there's a time, I think it's third or fourth inning they're doing. We, we would chore we had a choreographed dance to a certain song on, on how we play, you know, at the, at the time of what the song was. And, um, shark or DJ was a guy who, you know, he would say, okay, Hey, I'm going to play this song. Can you choreograph a dance? And so, um, our first base coach, who was the dancing first base coach, he is a professional choreographed dancer. Oh, so nice. he knows exactly what you're doing when it comes to it. And so he would come to the game or come to the field. We, we would play a seven o'clock game. We would be at the field by two stretch, ready to go at three. We're doing, you know, throwing infield, something like that by three 30. If you are not, um, in the starting nine, you're not first, second, or third out of the bullpen. You are one of six, seven um, who are scheduled to do chore- the choreographed dance for the day. And so you would be doing it during BP of our BP. You would be doing a choreographed dance, um, practicing. And so then third, fourth inning rolls around. Hey, you're on this. You're dancing. Wow. Um, we have two or three guys who are on um, – we would have like a ninth inning ring guy who would walk around with a big sign holding it up saying the ninth. So it would be like kind of like what you see in UFC or boxing ring girls. It would be yeah. us doing that. Um, we even have different things going on throughout the game. So it's, it, there's not a dull moment in that game. Um, even, even if we lose, I mean, we, yes, you, we, we don't want to lose, but if we lost, you would, you know, you still had fun. Fans mm-hmm. would stay till the end of the game, but no matter what, <laughs> they didn't want to miss. Yeah, that's that's they, that's insane. That's like no matter what happens, the fans wouldn't leave because they just want to see like the whole like performance and production and experience. Even though they still play baseball and stuff uh, back then, I mean, they still kind of do now. But it's just obviously mm-hmm. it's different the direction they're going now. But it's still incredible um, that you were able to get an experience and part be part of something like that, like the Savannah Bananas. Um, so let's kind of talk real quick about like, your first year in pro ball. Um, like, how was that for you? Like the experiences, cause you, you pitched really well, six and three, two, nine, three ERA. I'm not a stats guy, but like, just looking at your numbers, you did pitch pretty well. You get the first start in the postseason. Um, like how was your overall first, you know, professional uh, season? It was good. Um, there were, there were some hiccups, um, along the way that I felt like, were eventually going to happen midway through the season. It kind of, you know, you're you're pitching on a five day rotation, six day rotation. How, however, it would play out. You have five starters, and one starter would pitch twice in a week. So, excuse me. Um, it was it was good. Um, I felt like there was a lot of um, a lot of things that I was able to accomplish throughout the season of being able to say, okay, now I can go five innings. I may be able to go six. This is how hitters hit. You know, this, mm-hmm. you know, once you see a team once, they're going to know exactly how to hit you the second time. Yeah. And it's what you choose to do um, and how you approach the team that you're playing that you've already played two weeks ago. You know, you're going into Greenville playing a series and they've they've only seen you once and you play them. And then two weeks later, you're playing at home against Greenville, who just saw you two weeks ago so they they know you know teams start realizing how to hit you and and your tendencies and then you start kind of seeing hitters tendencies and um it, it was it was just fun have you know i still having that experience of being able to play in charleston and then come to bowling green two different cities two different atmospheres both of which were great um you know city wise things where you were able to go do and enjoy time out um, away from baseball on both sides. And for me, I was close. I was closer to home um, in Bowling Green. So I was able to kind of get away sometimes and just go home. I think mm-hmm. I, I think there was one weekend where I was able to go because we had a two-week homestand, um, played on Sunday, and I ended up going home Sunday night, Monday off day, came back Tuesday morning, and I was already, you know, I was already back for Tuesday's game. Being four hours, it wasn't that difficult of a drive home. And I know the route both ways. So it was it was just a great experience, um, an opportunity that I will take from this year and and move forward into next year and 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 how how I approach um, not only where I go next year, whether it's back to Bowling Green to Montgomery or if it's to to Montgomery or wherever wherever I'm sent, 
traded, however this is, however this season will play out. Um, I will take this entire experience that I had and, and, and what opportunities that I had and I will move forward and, and build off what I had this year. Yeah. Like I said, you like, you pitched very well. So like obviously that mentality and that mindset was working for you. Um, like off the field, like how was maybe, um, like, did you have any, do you ever go to any city? Cause like minor league stadiums are kind of, or sometimes in the most random cities in the country, um, small towns and stuff like that. Like what was one city where you get off the bus, you look around and you're like, where am I? Like I'm in the middle of nowhere. Um, and there's nothing here. except maybe like a subway. Mm, uh, we were, when we went to Greensboro, um, our hotel was in kind of a um, business complex, I mm-hmm. guess. So there was no gas station. There was no um, there was no food. There was no shopping center, no mall, no nothing around us. It was only businesses. And so the only thing you were able to do is go to, you know, get on the bus and go on the food bus. Um, at the time. And then if you needed to, you could Uber and DoorDash and, and stuff. So we spent a lot of money on, on DoorDash and Ubers to go because that, that was the one place where you were, where they kept us that you just go, there's not a single thing here. There's not a single thing to do. Um, and I think Asheville, Asheville was a little bit like that. We had, you know, a nice hotel. They had a, they had a restaurant in the hotel, but the only two things with within an okay walking distance where it's Zaxby's and a McDonald's. So if you want anything else, you had to walk about a mile or two down the road or DoorDash. Have you ever pitched? I was talking to Evan. Actually, this is back when he was playing with the Brewers. Um, and I can't remember the stadium, but the hotel was like this multicolored polka dotted um, Mother Earth. Like that was that's in uh, Kinston. Yes, down, yes, yes. Yes, down east. No. So when I was in Charleston, the only the only two fields that I got to play at were the Red Sox low A in Salem, Virginia, and then the Nationals low A in Fredericksburg, gotcha. Virginia. Okay, you missed um, out because I mean that's an experience from what I've been told. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um. I from you know I've talked to uh, Witten and Vern yeah. and and Tony that that place is. Um, brutal um to say to say the least they they did not have a good experience nor did they enjoy um any of that trip um but yeah no the the only two that i got to go to and i ended up getting called up um to to high um yeah because you got called up pretty quickly actually now that i think about it because you didn't only pitch a couple of games like 20 something innings i feel like i think i was looking at uh and you were just like carving like below one era so they they obviously moved you up pretty quickly and stuff like that um, so good for you for getting to avoid that. Um, was there any, like, um, do you have any interesting, like, fan interactions? Because I've had guys tell me, like, fans have asked them to sign their foreheads. Fans have jumped on the bus trying to take pictures of them after the games. And, you know, security had to, like, kick them off the bus and stuff like that. Um, have you had any interesting fun or funny fan interactions? Um, I've had a few. There's there's one that it was not directly happened to me, but um, I was sitting at a signing table in Bowling Green where they, they'll take two or three guys who had either pitched or played the night before, um, and they'll put them out at a table in the concourse right there by the gate, and they'll do signings. Okay. And I'm sitting down, and it's me, um, Sean Mullen um, out of UCLA, and I do not remember who our third guy was. I want to say it was Anthony Molina, but I, I, I could be wrong on that. And we're sitting there, and I'm at the end of the table, or I'm in the middle of the table. So I've got some – I think I've got Molina to my left, and I've got Mullen to my right. And this kid comes up, and it was him and a few of his friends. They get the sign from Molina. They come to me. They get my sign. They look at Sean Mullen and go, can you sign this as Bryce Harper? <laughs> and he goes, what do you mean? And he was like, no, can you just sign it Bryce Harper? And he was like, sure. And just puts up just a random signature on the box of whatever he was having to sign, just puts up a random signature and then puts down, um, he even put down Harper's number. He just put down a random number and he kind of held it. And he goes, Hey, what's Bryce Harper's number? And he goes, um, 11 and they kick and and sean just looked at him and go 
yes, there you go. And handed it off to him. And he said, that's not even his number. And I don't even, I don't even remember what yeah. Harper's, like his number is in Philadelphia, but he was just like, here you go. And he was like, I didn't even, he didn't even get asked for his sign. Like he didn't even ask for Sean's signature. He just asked him to sign it as Bryce Harper. Does, I don't know, Sean, does he look like Bryce Harper at all? Like, are, is there any resemblance? Not, no, no, it was, that was, that was the thing. There was no, I mean, maybe a little bit in like, kind of how he has like a little bit of but he, he didn't even beard. ask for a picture because if you ask for a picture then maybe you can be like okay that was bryce harper uh, you know a lookalike but he didn't ask for a picture yeah. he just wanted a, a, an autograph on some for some random thing yes just a here's what? i think it was a box of bobblehead nights and he said here side can you sign this as bryce harper and he just get sean just kind of looked at me and he goes okay and and signed it and handed it to the kid and, and i looked at him and i said did you actually sign it he goes no i just wrote a bunch of scriggles scriggles but <laughs> I put uh, BH and then just a bunch of random squiggles on it. And so, and they just put a random number down and asked the kid, but it, it was like, I was looking at, I looked at the kid after he said it and I kind of looked at Sean and he's, he's a guy that's just kind of happy go lucky. Yeah. And he's, he's just gonna, he, he'll go with the flow and just have fun with the fans and how they, how they go about things. But he was, he just kind of did it. He was just like, okay, sure. Um, that, I think that's the one weird, weird one that I've, I've looked at and it was like, that's, that's not right. I've had a few where, um, fans will actually like sit outside of the stadium when we're walking out or sit close to, um, for us, we have to go into left center to go to our clubhouse after, before, after games, BP, whatever, our clubhouse is through left center field. And some fans will sit up there and they'll, they'll kind of like, um, look down and they'll go, Hey, Hey, can you sign a ball? I mean, sure. Sure. Um, had one guy on our team and he, he kind of looked up and this is after Greenville and he's sitting out with this big, um, binder full of baseball oh, cards. And goodness. he goes, Hey, Hey, can you sign my, can you, can you sign a baseball card for me? And he goes, yeah, sure. What's my name? Yeah. And it's like, you know, if you're going to, you know, you're going to ask the guy at least, you know, kind of have a recognition. He goes, um, um Kyle Manzardo and this guy I mean this guy is six eight like he's he's tall he goes Kyle Manzardo he goes nope try again um Mason Hour he goes nope that's not it you're not 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 good enough I'm gonna get was it Austin Vernon goes, oh can I no it was oh. uh Ben Breck okay and he he asked him he's like hey what you know you this and he looks nothing like either one of Manzardo or uh, Mason hour, like no, uh, no resemblance. He has darker hair than either one of them. Very short, kind of cut faded a little bit. And, and he looks nothing like them. And the guy was just throwing out names to try and get him to sign the, to the book. And he wouldn't do it. He's like, I'm not going to break. I'm just going to get on the bus. Cause the guy has no idea who I am. Yeah. And that's how it is. A lot of times like that story is like, I've heard that all the time where people are like, you know, what's my name? I don't know. Well, then I'm not going to sign it. One guy told me that um he's a, a darker complexion and someone thought he was uh, fernando tatis <laughs> and he's like no i'm not like I, I, you don't even know who i am you don't even know my name like i'm not gonna sign your like autographs um and so um austin Vernon actually told me that i can't i don't know what where it was but someone had asked him to sign a blank index card and he's like i'm not gonna sign a blank index card and have you just like rip my signature and like or use it to forge it because it was literally just like a blank card like you know just sign this card and that's it like He's like, yeah, it's kind of suspicious. We were trying to ask for a blank card to sign an autograph. And yeah, stuff he's like, that. like, you don't want to, you don't want to like risk that. And yeah. oh, I think I know where he was talking about. That was in Asheville. People would stand, stood outside of the gates, waiting on our bus to pull in, and they just started handing out like blank index cards. I was so like, weird. hey, can you sign this? I'm like, I did it, and I just squiggled a bunch of things. Like you can't even tell that it's my, it's my signature. Yeah. Bryce um, Harper, I just kinda, I just, BH. I, yeah, yeah. Let me just put <laughs> BH on there with you know number seventy five on there, and you'll have no idea. That's crazy! Wow. Um, so off season wise, like obviously you know you were on vacation and stuff like that. Like what's uh, what's the plan? Like when you when you start rap, uh, ramping things up and like that. Like what do you do for uh, to get? Are you a golfer? Like what do you do in your off season? Yeah, I play. I'll play a lot of golf. Um, actually, the new Call of Duty dropped last night, so yeah. I've been play. I've been playing that um, all morning. Um, and it just, I, I played it at midnight till one and I was just like, I can't play anymore. So I've been playing that and I'll, I'll probably go back here in a little while and jump back on and play a little bit more. So that one drops. So I've been playing a lot of that golf has been very high up, but 
Um, I will start um, on Monday when I get back. I, I fly back on Sunday, and I, on Monday I will start um, complete workouts. And um, I believe probably later into the week I'll start moving my arm a little bit and start doing a little more, more throwing. But um, I want to get a little bit into the gym more than I already have been. I've been going once or twice a week just to kind of stay in that rhythm. But now that I'll be doing it, five days a week, I kind of want to get into the rhythm a little bit more before I start picking up a baseball and, and start moving that. So I'll probably start moving that probably later into next week or the week after um, and and start filling that out. But I'll start ramping things up here shortly. Yeah. And let's actually end on this. I was going to ask you this earlier. I totally forgot about this. My my crazy brain. Um, in the, in the postseason, when you guys after you guys were pitching and stuff like that and you won the championship, congrats to you guys. Um, do you guys get a ring? Like, is, have you Do you know what's going on with that? Yeah, so we we ended up getting back. So we actually threw a very small, short celebration after the after the game um, in their or our cages because they the way Aberdeen had set up their clubhouse was down right field line, our clubhouse was down left field line, um, and there was a cage back behind our clubhouse, so you know they can go in and hit and and do anything like that. And um, we threw a celebration in there. We got on the bus, left at, I believe, midnight, got back at around 1130. And the second that we walked in, there's a uh, chart that has everybody's name on it. And there's a rings, like just a set of rings on a key ring. And so all you did was take it off, you know, put, you know, put it on, see if that fit. No, let me, let me do another one. And then you just write down your, your uh, ring size and it's supposed to come in towards spring training when we get back that's so cool who got after it the most in your guys' celebration uh, i don't know if i want to throw anybody under the bus <laughs> i think everybody got i think everybody got pretty good um uh you know i i've been around Vern a lot um and i you know i've seen him i've seen him when he's very light and opened up and um i don't think anybody got too bad i don't think anybody got like you know, Tom Brady did on yeah. after the Super Bowl, but um, I, I I would say that I, a lot of people got you know really really good, and we were like, well, we got a bus ride, so I heard that bus the ride worst sucked. The worst it's going to do is put us to sleep. Yeah. So um, you just make sure that you were in the right spot, and make sure you know you weren't going to get car sick because you knew, all right, well, I've got you know I've got some champagne, I've got some beer. I mean, I need to tone it tone it down a little bit because this car ride's still long, and there's no way of getting off. And you, you don't want to go to the bathroom and do it because it's just going to stay in there all night. Um, you know, I think everybody felt good, felt great after afterwards. They just knew that we had a long bus ride, so it's either go hard and make sure you can hold it in, or you know, enjoy yourself and and um, relax for the yeah. rest of the bus ride. That's awesome. Well, hey, Logan, I want to thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is this is a great opportunity. Appreciate it so much. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.